Hello and welcome to Carrier the Carrier's Edge podcast number 26. I am your host, a co-founder of Carrier's Edge. My name's Jane Jazrawi and with me as always is Garth. <laughs> That's what I always think. I can't I can't help it. Garth. Even though we've talked about it and said, no, we're not going to do that. Oh, really? We always still do the I same know. thing. It's because we're Gen Xers and there are some things that are ingrained into our head. And one of those things is Wayne's World. And I just saw an interview with Mike Myers on TV last I know. night. I was thinking about it again. I've seen, he must be doing, there must be something. Oh, wait, he's in that movie he's about the, movie. the Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Which we all have in our heads too. Yeah. Yeah. We are the lost generation, man. We are. <laughs> so let's try this opening again and see if we can get it right. We'll play the music. Oh, no, I'm not going to play the music. <laughs> okay. Just, you just do your part and then I'll do it properly. Hi, I'm the co-founder of Carrier's Edge, Jane Jazrowie, and... <laughs> well, you got your name out okay. And in my head, it was with me as always. <laughs> with me as always. <laughs> Party on, Wayne. Just say your name. I'm the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge, Mark Morrell. Yes. And, we and are we're si- done. <laughs> and we are sitting in a basement, but I'm not strumming a guitar. Like and you're not wearing that ball cap thing that <laughs> yeah. he's always wearing. All right. All righty then. And once again. The, you know, and, and then there's another one is uh, Jim Carrey. All righty then. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. He had, but. sorry, it's in your head now. Yeah. Was it's, that the mask? Yeah. 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 Which also was on TV not that long ago. It's so always, weird. it's one of those things that's always on TV mm-hmm. on some channel. So. Okay. All right. I'm not going to say any of those things <laughs> now. I'm going to struggle to not say any of those particular phrases. Okay. Thank you for joining us. What are we talking today. about today? Um, I thought we would talk about things that have recently been happening and things that are soon going to be happening. Well, that's usually what we talk about. And what we are not going to do is talk about the things that we promised last time that still aren't done. Yeah. So. I found a missing part that I need to add, so that's why it's still not done. That's why, is it? Yeah. Okay. So that will be all we talk about on the fall arrest uh, training course That's right there. correct. Okay. Well, I, I have a couple of things that have happened that I think are worth discussing. And the one that I'm kind of curious about, or I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of monitoring to see what happens is my latest LinkedIn article. I published... It's always about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you published a LinkedIn article um, that I read and I liked. Well, and it was kind of... I usually try and have something positive in these stories, these Mm -hmm. articles, give people something. But this particular one was basically forecasting the demise of the trucking industry. Just in time for Halloween. Well, so with all of these future, futurism type of things, you, you can look at it a couple of ways. You can look at it in terms of... You know, it's it's terrible and it's going to be all the things we know are not going to be around anymore and it's going to be all our jobs are going to be lost and, you know, no one will, it will be completely different. But then again, if you look at 20 years ago, the things that have changed from then till now, like I don't think anybody is cursing the demise of the phone that's attached to your wall 
or the fact that you can only that you can do all kinds of stuff on your phone. Well, the phone companies that used to gouge you for long distance are cursing the demise. No, of they're not because they have branched out yes, into internet. And I don't know. I think I don't know. I think we were using 1930s technology when I try to make a landline call sure. or try to call my own voicemail. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think you know nobody really wants to go back to having Bell be you know the the person or the the uh, entity that controls your mm-hmm. your communication outside, and you can only have one person on the phone at a time, and blah blah blah. I mean, the thing that I love the best. And everybody might think this is terrible, but the ability to text my teenagers in it <laughs> from a different room <laughs> is is awesome. Instead that of is, yelling at them, it's like the best thing ever. It's like, well, they respond so much so much more mm-hmm. quickly. And you're not shouting. All you know, the time. you're yelling at dinner. Yes, and then you just text them and just say dinner. Well, yeah, technology certainly has opened up a whole bunch of new opportunities and expanded things that were never really even considerations before. And things are going to go away. So Blockbuster went away. And I do miss that. I miss being able to go to the video store. I don't really like doing that online, but this, um, you know, what's funny about that is when you went to Blockbuster, like it never bothered me to pay six bucks to rent a movie. But now if I go and there's a movie on demand that's six bucks, it's like, what? Six bucks for a movie? No way. I think that's because, mostly because you know that that six bucks was paying a lot of overhead for employees of Blockbuster. And now there's no employees. It's just going straight to. Uh, Perhaps. But I also know that if I wait long enough, it'll appear on one of the other channels that I get for free. You just have to have patience. But yes, um, technology does make things better, open up a whole bunch of new possibilities. And that's the thing is we don't even know what the possibilities are going to be. So when you're talking about in your LinkedIn article, so you basically had two parts. One part was... Well, the first part was... first part was about driverless trucks. Right. Which is like everywhere, autonomous vehicles. Yeah. And, you know, we're not supposed to say driverless trucks. We're supposed to say autonomous vehicles now because they're self-driving. There's still going to be somebody in it. And so there's all this speculation about it. And everywhere you go, there's somebody talking about it. And there's a question about, do you think that there will ever see a self-driving truck? And everybody who's asked that question seems to be required to give the reassuring answer that, oh, that we'll always need a truck driver. You know, it's going to be, you know, no machine is ever going to replace a truck driver. And I just think that's crap. I just think it is so far wrong. It's completely self-serving. It's basically people that have a vested interest in the status quo saying the status quo will never change. So the first part of my article was talking about how robots are going to be driving trucks, but it's actually going to be great for the industry because there's still going to be an operator in that vehicle. There's still going to be somebody inspecting the vehicle and securing the load and monitoring the reefer and like all of these kind of things that you do outside of the driving. And then just the self-driving truck or the autonomous vehicle will take care of the driving part on the road. And they'll do it way better than humans can. Humans are terrible drivers. And (laughs) it doesn't matter how many million miles you have that's fine, but there's so many other people on the road that aren't million milers. 
Uh, well, so, okay, so that was the first part. That was the first part. And I think it's actually going to be great for the industry because it's going to change the requirements. It's going to make it a lot easier to bring people in and a lot easier to train them and a lot cheaper to train them because they're basically going to be more like an on-site security guard than today's driver. And I think that's going to be great for the industry for a while. That was part one, the positive side. Part, part two, two, I said, you know, there is a real disruption on the horizon that people aren't really talking much about at all. And and that's drones. Drones, yeah. And I see drone deliveries as being hugely disruptive. Especially to, I would think, the sort of the expedited or LTL maybe, you know, in the short term, it's going to be that level. Well, even if it doesn't do anything to what is today standard freight, all they have to do is start disrupting a significant percentage of the really low end light packages type stuff, pizza delivery and flowers. You know, those kind of things that are quick local deliveries. And you're going to have a bunch of people that are doing that work start moving up market. They're going to start, you know, if they've got a minivan, they're going to realize, well, you know what? I can put larger cargo in there. And if I've got a panel van or something, then I can put something larger in there. But I want to, but I don't think that it's going to happen overnight. I think that is, I agree. I think that's the direction that that's going to start happening where low end things are going to start being delivered. The things that people are delivering by car right now. So Mm -hmm. a pizza is a really good example. But when you think about it, there are going to be other, there's going to be other tasks that need to be done by human around them. And I'm thinking that customer service is the Mm -hmm. biggest one because you know, when something goes wrong or technical support, if, mm-hmm. if the technical support and what I'm thinking is like when something is really new, like when Facebook was really new and not that many people were using it or when not that many people had iPhones, it wasn't a big uh it didn't it didn't weigh on sort of society and everybody's uh, the infrastructure so much mm-hmm. but when you start getting and i'm thinking of like electric cars as well you get more and more and more of them different problems are going to come up oh yeah and all of those different problems are going to require a human to provide a solution they're either going to provide a technical solution or an in-person customer service kind of that kind of a solution. And those things are going to start coming up and where you have to use your brains and your emotional IQ and and that kind of thing, what that a machine is not going to do right now. They may be able to take your pizza from pizza from point A to point B, but what if it goes to the wrong house? What if the car breaks down? What if um, what if it's late? What if it's the wrong order? A human is going to be required to solve those problems. They may not be needed in the same, you know, number but it's going to be different. Yeah. And I think some of those will be programmed into the system to be handled, like, you know, going to the wrong uh, address. Well, that's not going to be an issue Um, nearly as much with GPS based things or like an Uber of pizza delivery. Hey, GPSs can put you in the middle of an alleyway or, you know, at the wrong, like remember um, not too long ago, I actually, you look, use a GPS and it'll take you, to two different spots, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what Google wants yeah. you to do that day. But I think you're right that there are going to be problems that come up that still need a human. But you also touch on something else that is um, going to be a contributing factor. And that is there are lots of things that are only minor or insignific- insignificant issues when there are small groups of people involved. But once you have scale, they become mm-hmm. issues. So, for instance, Uber is a great example of that. 
what Uber was doing before, the whole ride-sharing thing, well, ride-sharing has been happening for decades. As long as there's been cars, yeah. people have been bumming carpools, rides. Yeah. yeah, carpools. But the whole issue of insurance around that hasn't really come up that much because it's only once in a while... It's not that often that there's really an issue. But now all of a sudden you've got thousands of these people doing ride sharing every day or offering rides every day. Well, the issue of insurance comes up and becomes very important. And the same thing will happen with drones and all of that other stuff. You know, there's things that aren't a problem when there's a few hundred drones in the air. But when there's 10,000 drones in the air over a, a city or an urban landscape or whatever, all of a sudden there's going to be a whole bunch of new challenges that need to be sorted out. Yeah, people are going to start having difficulties with it and complaining about it, and there's going to be zones and routing, and it's just going to be, it's going to be the same thing that trucking had to sort of do, but just earlier. Or uh, I think, if you think about LCVs, where in Ontario, when they introduced long combination vehicles, then you had to have a, you know, you had to map out the routes and so that, and they had to be approved and that kind of thing. So there's going to be some version of red tape that's going to accompany all of this. Mm-hmm. But when you just start out and you kind of are the, you know, the um, the disruptor, disruptor, break everything, we're just going to try and do this and see what happens. That's going to, you know, if it's a good idea, it'll catch on and then it'll catch out. And then it's going to be mm-hmm. people lining up for the 18th version of the iPhone mm-hmm. and, you know, and then storefronts closing and it's, it's going to just change what it's, what life is like, which, you know, at some point in a certain way, I think that it's probably nice that it's going to be disrupted because right now the traffic is crazy. And yeah, then, I, you know, I definitely see some real positives with that kind of stuff. I mean, it's going to disrupt things. and It's going to be scary for a lot of people, but I find that kind of innovation really exciting. And I think it's really then self-driving vehicles and drones are two of the most exciting areas for me because they stand to just completely redefine what society is, just like the prevalence of the internet completely redefined mm-hmm. how society interacts. And, it was, and when you think back about when it was when the internet sort of first became a thing and there was like just this little insider group that, you know, yeah. people who were sort of online and did things you know, with a modem and that kind of thing. And now it's so commonplace, but that's, I don't think I ever thought it was going to be as commonplace as it is now with. Well, I remember reading Bill Gates's book in 1995, The Road Ahead. Right. And it was one where he wrote it, sort of his vision of the future and what was going to happen. And he actually went back and rewrote it. Yeah, with the internet. With the internet, because the internet just sort of swept over things and, and they did like a massive hard turn towards the internet and, and, uh, did a great job. Um, but that book he talked about, you know, he, where he sees things going with the internet and he was talking about people doing their banking online and doing all their shopping online. And people read that book at the time and thought he was loopy is like, what? You'd never do your banking online. It's so insecure. How would you, how could you shop online? That's crazy. And now you're nuts if you don't do your banking online. And now you can sort of shop with your Apple watch or, and I'm thinking there's these, uh, like these wallet apps that mm-hmm. let you buy things with your phone. That's what I was going to say is that you can buy things with your phone now. Yeah. Like the idea of buying something with your phone 20 years ago. Using it as a credit card. Yeah. Like e- even then, you know, 10 years ago, nobody was even thinking of that. And or using it as a, as a boarding pass. 
Yeah, a boarding pass. And like for us, now we have our hippie electric car. The key is an app on our phone. Yes. We don't have an actual key. We have, well, there's a card, a pass card that goes in our wallet as a backup. But most of the time, it's we just use our mobile app. And in so fact, we were talking about this a couple nights ago about how I don't even need to carry keys anymore. We don't really need to unlock anything because we work no. from home. We have this car that you need. You just need the app to open. It, it controls the garage. It yeah. So, so we're that, screwed when the when the robots take over. We are so we are so messed fun. up. It'll be exciting. Yeah, until the robots kill you. Until your car changes into a transformer and, and well, attacks the house. That is, that is <laughs> yeah, the pessimistic view of artificial <laughs> intelligence. So I know which camp you're in. Yeah, I read a lot of dystopian novels, so. Yes, and one thing about Jane and I, she'll always have the negative side. <laughs> she'll always find the pessimistic view. Actually, I have to tell you about this book I just finished, which is a very dystopian vision of uh, words. It's a very, and it kind of, it's a bit of a commentary on how people are changing how they communicate with other people Hmm. via text. Hmm. I mean, it's really all of it, almost everything can be done by text. And some people just, just use text. Hmm. You can text coworkers even, and using a computer is Well, I also was listening to a program about how um, the tech revolution in India is really about cell phones, and they've just kind of ignored the whole idea of desktop or laptop computers Mm -hmm. because they can't afford them, but they can get really cheap phones. Same thing in Africa. A lot of African countries are doing that. And, but uh, this book was about a company that created something called a meme, and it was like an iPhone. But the meme, what they did was they they did something. They had a virus, and it was attacking language. So people would get this word virus, and they started losing their language and mm. everything. Like they just started uh, work, talking and made up words. Mm. So you try to be you try to be saying this sentence, but it all would come out would be you know all this gobbledygook that nobody could understand, and. And basically, once you got this flu, you either got over it or you uh, died and or were struck down, like struck silent. You couldn't speak at all or communicate at all. So the way that they that that you recovered from this was through language therapy, where you had to be silent for three days and then you had to basically have discussions and read and read print not read a screen you had to read Mm. print and and talk about things and what was really interesting about the book was the language would would veer from I mean sometimes there was a lot of sentences where I didn't know half the words it was a lot of sort of lofty language and then it would just go into complete gobbledygook and then kind of go back up the other way it was Mm. very it's one of those books that I'd have to read Again, but it's called the Word Exchange, and it was basically this company was getting users to pay for words hmm. that they didn't know how to define, that they didn't know the meaning of, and every time you you used the Word Exchange, you'd pay for it, and that's how they were making their money. And of course, it was all dystopian and terrible, but it was mm-hmm. very. But it kind of reminds me of all this technology and the whole idea that it's all going to be you know, doom and gloom and horrendous. It kind of goes with the stuff I read, <laughs> the fiction I read. This was not what my LinkedIn article was like. No, no. It was no. not necessarily negative. 
it was no, nowhere it wasn't. close to as dark is what Jane is. But I don't think it was negative. I think it was well, just compared a... compared to what you read. Well, yeah, I read all kinds of... Like, I read The Handmaid's Tale way before it was made into this... Uh, it made into the series that everybody thinks is so dark. I am I read Game of Thrones. That's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. I love reading that stuff. I don't know why. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's my thing. But you're... Just because you were saying that drones were going to disrupt trucking, we know that trucking is going to be disrupted. Mm-hmm. We know this. Yeah. Like it's going to happen. It's just what is going to, how it's going to happen. And drones, I think, are a very legitimate um, uh, thing to have them disrupt. Well, I was curious to see what the response was going to be. What because, did you find? Um, it hasn't been that strong yet so far. I've had a couple of people like it. I've had, uh, I think I had maybe a share or something like that, but it's been very muted. And the same thing with my self-driving vehicles, my autonomous vehicles, the part one. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, people kind of liked it and uh, no no angry responses, which is good. Uh, I was always, always afraid that there's going to be that one person that's super offended by it and is going to uh, have a tirade about it, but it's been good so far. Not like your driver window LinkedIn no, article. The driver that one was the... That one that got one, people going. It's a window. I know. It's something you can easily get rid of. It's not a It's not a thing. No, apparently some people think they need a driver window to keep those drivers away. Well, you can keep the drivers away by using autonomous vehicles. <laughs> there you go. You Maybe know, there's a, lots of ways window. to keep drivers yeah, away. Just go to self-driving You trucks. can't love drivers and, and promise to never replace drivers. And then on the other hand, say, no, no, driver window is absolutely necessary because they can't disrupt our our work, our business proceedings. So this is ridiculous. Sometimes they get irate and violent. We love those drivers. They're the heroes. <laughs> Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> Pick one and stick with it. Yeah. So I don't, and I don't think that you're going to get a lot of vehement agreement or disagreement because I think it's just something that makes people think. Yeah. Well, that's what I want is to sort of make people think about it and it'd be nice to have some comments or some discussion, but uh, we'll see. So if you vehemently disagree with Mark's LinkedIn article... Send me a message. No. Or go comment. On comment. It. Comment publicly. With lots of ca- all caps and exclamation points. Yeah. and Every sentence should have at least three exclamation <laughs> points at the end. Yes. So that's been one thing that's been on my mind. I've uh, been thinking about that. And of course, the biggest thing that's been happening for us is now with the end of October and the beginning of November, we've closed out our Best Fleets nomination period and... The 2019 Best Fleets to Drive For program is now deep into the evaluation period. Yes. yes. So I did four interviews last week. I think I've got another four or five booked this week. And slowly we're getting rolling with the interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've done three. So you, Three as of today. Today, yeah. yeah. But you've got several others booked for the week. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, got, um, I've got a bunch more... Uh, they're scheduled for different days. Like it's not in a big clump. Mm -hmm. So they're all kind of spread out throughout the month right now. Yeah, they'll fill in. Um, We closed out the nomination period with a new record. And now I've forgotten what it was. I thought it was 146 uh, was the new record. Uh, The previous high was 140. Uh, But I was talking to Marley from TCA this morning and she thought it was 149. So she probably counted after I did. 
but we should make sure that we have all the companies. Yeah, we have them all on there on the list. Well, you gave me four extra ones. Yeah, and I think I took two, so six. So that would put it around one forty-eight. So, uh, we should probably get a good count on that before we start telling people how many nominations we had. Oh, I just have to go and add it up because I had them all in batches based on the date that I sort of pulled the list, um, and I because I'm sending different welcome messages out to all of them. And I wanted to keep track of it so I'm not sending the same welcome message to people multiple times. Uh, but yeah, that is great that we have record number of nominations. Now the not great part where we've got to interview them all. Oh, man. Yeah. You, I'm not going to say anything more about that because I, I stressed about it last time. And I know that we'll get it all done. Uh, and it will... There's uh, a process. They, yeah. you know, they, there's a lot of work that the that the the candidates have to do, you know? And so you just kind of work to that process. Well, we get it all done and we're early enough in the process where I still remember the ones that I've interviewed and some of the significant Mm -hmm. things about them. Probably a week from now, two weeks from now, I will be past that and it will all be in blur and be a blur stage. And, uh, you know, I may have interviewed you yesterday and not have any idea what we talked about. Or this morning. And you've done three interviews since then. Yeah. We haven't done that yet, but uh, Mm -hmm. it'll happen. That's, uh, we're ramping up as we get into our crazy busy November. And uh, next week is going to be exciting time for us. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked a little bit about it last time. You're going to the Women in Trucking Conference. And I am very excited about my panel um, at the CCJ Solutions Summit, which is including Halverlines, TLD Logistics, and FTC Transportation. And I'm very happy that I'm having a panel. It's all women speakers. Oh, I thought you weren't going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about it on stage. Ah, uh, okay. But here, this is sort of the secret area the where secret all the area. good information comes. Yeah, I think that's cool. I had a panel of three guys, and you had a. You have a panel of three women. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm trying to get them to set up the chairs in a particular way because they do these conferences. They always set up these big, soft lounge chairs, which are lovely to sit in while you're watching TV, but they're absolutely terrible when you're trying to speak in front of an audience. Yeah, I always find that weird when they uh, when they set up those comfy chairs. I never understood that because for in a, from a performa- performer's point of view... You don't want to do that. You don't want to be in a comfy chair. You want to be able to, you know, keep your back straight and, mm-hmm. you know, and enunciate and project and that kind of thing. So what I find is that I perch on the edge of the chair, which is has its own mm-hmm. issues because you can often like tip the chair over, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And also those big comfy chairs are not good for people with short legs. So, Well, one thing that was interesting Last week, when we were at the ATA uh, MCNE in Austin, Texas, their annual convention, they had one session where they had like a large desk with a wall across the front, which I think officially it's called a modesty screen. Mm-hmm. But really, it looks like a newscaster's desk. Yeah, it did. And there's three of them that are sort of sitting at that newscaster's desk. But because of that, they're sitting in more like an office chair and they sat up a lot better and they projected and they spoke. And it didn't hurt that the three people are all pretty comfortable speakers on stage or used to doing that kind of thing. Uh, But it was a much nicer experience, I thought, having them um, sort of sitting there 
with that sort of sitting up and then they've got that table where they can put any papers on any reference and things like that so it kind of looked like we were watching a live broadcast of the news or like yeah coverage of a you know election night special or something like that and i know that you don't like having paper when you're doing a presentation well something like that it works perfectly because it's sitting on the table and the audience doesn't really see it Well, I saw it. I mean, but it didn't bother me. And I could see everybody who had the clicker and I could, well, there was that one part where one guy was supposed to say something and the other two are looking expectantly at him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that was really, you know, all the other stuff didn't bother me at all. And it actually, there is something to be said for having somewhere to put pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you need them. Sometimes you need to have notes. And if you are, um, if there's like a laptop on that, on that um, podium thing that they often have, mm-hmm. then there's no room for your notes. There's, you really have to yeah. just basically memorize everything that you say. And so laptops are great, but not when it's taking up the space that you would normally take up as a speaker. Well, and when you're doing a moderated panel, you tend to have more formalized yeah. questions and points that you want to hit and everybody's got their notes and things like that. So it's nice to have a place where mm-hmm. you can set them out there. So I think that will be much better. I'm looking forward to this event. I've heard about this event many times and I uh, haven't had an opportunity to go. So um, it's in Phoenix. So it looks like it's going to be a good event. Um, they've got the FMCSA administrator uh, speaking there and a couple of other sessions in addition to ours. So it should be a, a good couple of days. And that I, FMCSA guy, he goes everywhere. He gets yeah. yeah. He's been much more. Um, I have to, you know, hats off to him. He's actually showing up mm-hmm. where as with different administrators, we never saw them. Um, Ann Farrow did that when she first started that first couple of years, she was at like nearly. Oh, everything. okay. I wasn't there. And then it sort of, sort of drifted back. Um, so I know, wonder if that's going to be the same with this yeah. guy. Or I can't he's remember got like his a, name. Uh, Ray Martinez. Oh, Maybe yeah. he's got a mountain of hate mail in the office. So he's avoiding it by going to every conference he can. Yeah, but you know what? If you want to try and connect with people, that's, especially in trucking, that's the way to do it. Mm. There's nothing that is going to replace that face-to-face. There, no, for sure. Like, I think that you can use technology to replace a certain amount of things that you would do face-to-face, but it leaves room for the quality communication. Mm-hmm. You can really use all of the electronics to do the the mundane run-of-the-mill kind of thing and then use face-to-face for things that are important conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which is kind of what we do. Yep. Well, that actually leads into one of the other things that's been on my mind, which is the webinar I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, best of both worlds. The best of both worlds. Yes, combining classroom. Star Trek reference. Yeah, yes. We are trapped in our Gen Xian, Gen Xiness. And exiness. Yeah, I just made that word up. How's that? That is a new word. Okay. It's, it's becoming a thing for you. Every podcast, you create a new word. <laughs> if I talk enough. Yeah. <laughs> I get bored of the words that I have because so I can't remember them all. I have to make up new ones. It's like that book I told you. You're just making up new words. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I'm doing a webinar talking about how to combine classroom and online. And uh, I was just reviewing it um, at, over lunch today. And I was reminded that it's kind of an odd webinar because the first half doesn't really talk about combining the two things. It talks about the strengths and weaknesses of each and sort of digs into 
what each is good for and when you should use one versus the other. Because mm-hmm. the, the default thought is, well, it's always scheduling. You know, we go online because we can't get people into the office. Well, okay, that's part of it. But there's more to these different methods, delivery methods, than just one is fits the schedule and one doesn't. There's things that they're good at and things that they're not good at. So understanding that goes a long way to making the most uh, out of each and, and the, the best use of them. So I have kind of forgotten that I had that section in there and it's like 20 minutes of the webinar is like, what is classroom really good at? And I make a point of talking about that because I think since our business is online uh, training, people ought to be automatically assume that we're not going to like classroom, that we think everything should be online. Right. But that's a terrible idea. Moving everything online, it just is guaranteed to fail. Some stuff really needs to be done in class and needs to be done one-on-one practical and stuff like that. Um, so I talk a little bit about that, about, you know, classroom is really good at certain things and really bad at some others. So everybody always thinks, you know, classroom is good for making that human connection and that sort of thing. And that is certainly true. But if you just have a guy standing at the front telling stories, you're not getting the benefit out of classroom. Well, you have to make the connection. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole, like the whole point of it is that there has to be a connection. So if you're doing practical Mm -hmm. uh, exercises, or if you want to practice something that you like, I don't know, practice using a fire extinguisher, Mm -hmm. putting on fall protection or, you know, something where you have to do it correctly and you need somebody else there. You mm-hmm. have to have that uh, feedback of, well, of yes, thing, no. The other thing that I don't see people doing a lot of is the uh, is group exercises. Mm. You know, take your class, break them up into groups and give them a project. You know, we do that in different sessions, um, interactive sessions that we do at seminars and things like that. But I don't see a lot of people doing that in classroom. And it really, that's where you get the value is everybody working as a group. small group, small group discussion. Well, we see that in best fleets, not so much for training, but we see it Mm -hmm. um, when people are trying to do, when they have big company meetings and they're trying to figure out problems so they mm-hmm. list the biggest problems that they have and and break people up into groups and and use them to come up with solutions mm-hmm. and then break them up into groups to um, execute that solution and that I don't think it's being done in training so much because for a lot of driver training I don't think it's driver training because there's not a lot of problem solving really well no i'm not saying problem solving i'm saying exercises so uh, and i don't know exactly what it would be but the content can be a lot more than somebody standing up the front saying here are the rules here are the rules now here are the other rules well okay so let me go because fall protection is on my mind right the second so if you have training in fall protection then really most of it is going to be are you doing it correctly so how you there's not a lot of room for discussion about anything else is basically are you doing it right are you doing it wrong and that's really what fall protection training is but if you're doing something where it's more group exercises are really good for trying to think out of the box problem solving, coming up with new ideas. So if you had, and there, I think that for this audience, I think it's almost better to do it at meetings. Well, couldn't you do something like you've got, for instance, a bill of lading that's missing something. 
get together in pairs and figure out what's missing. Oh yeah, you can or, do exercises you know, log, like that. Or log books, yeah. uh, where are the problems? Work as a table group and figure out where the problems are with this. And even your fall protection, you know, you pair off to, you know, put the harness on and is it on properly and check that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm not really talking about, I'm not thinking about group exercises the same way that you're doing it, but yeah, you're right for sure. I think that's a, an excellent way to do it. Instead of having the person at the front of the room talking at the person, the people in the room, have them talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, you certainly still want to go through the content and talk about what's right and wrong and give the examples. But now you guys do it yourself. Right. It's that whole. Yeah. You person A, you do it. Person B, you check it. Now switch places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. got to do that whole active learning thing. Right. And get people involved and get them communicating. But even if it's like. I would think that in a classroom, if you're doing defensive driving or something like that, you know, where you've got the one particular situation that we're talking about or whatever it might be, now put it out to the group. Tell me about a time when you've encountered something like this. Tell me your craziest story about this, you know, because these are usually experienced drivers coming in. Well, there was some, because uh, Debbie went to, uh, attended Challenger's defensive driving class mm-hmm. and they did a really interesting exercise where they had um, the, you know, is this, is this an accident preventable? Oh, that's a great idea. And then have basically they talked about it. Yeah, now I'm not sure if they talked about it as a group or as small groups, but you could do either one, but mm-hmm. the small group, the nice thing about small groups is you can, start with the small group and then come back to the large group if you have time mm-hmm. and then have a larger discussion about it. But even just having the the pairs uh, do something like that. And I think it makes people more comfortable when you give them a specific problem to solve or a question mm-hmm. rather than a quiz at the end where you've just sat through all of this content in a classroom course, we haven't really done anything. And then at the end, mm-hmm. the interactivity is you fill out a quiz. Yeah. Which is a bunch of true and false questions. Yeah. And I talk about that as well, because combining classroom and online, the third element that I put in there is the uh, standalone testing, which can be really powerful. So you have everybody do classroom uh, as they normally do, but then you go and do an online test at the end so that everybody is basically tested against the same standard, that sort of thing. Um, and Or you use the test as sort of a pre-assessment to see what somebody needs mm-hmm. or doesn't need on training. So there's a lot of value in that. But the key is that they have to have good questions. You've got to spend yeah. the time to make good questions. And so I'm you know, looking through that content and, and I make reference to your webinar about how to build better training and talking about all the question stuff and avoiding the true or false and yep. the, the ones where the correct answer is the most obvious one and stuff like that. So there's a lot of ways to mix and match those. I think the trucking industry really gets set on the right and wrong. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the correct answer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because we get a lot of feedback on our questions And that's a lot of it is that, you know, this question is wrong. It's incorrect. You've got the wrong answer. You've done this. And there seems to be a lot of, you know, people really know the regulations and they know the wording. And there's a lot of very specific terminology that you have to use. And that's all fine. But the idea of applying that knowledge to another situation is is more difficult. Like you can learn all the the words of the regulations, but that doesn't necessarily mean you understand it because 
Or, or with something like defensive driving, where it's not really a regulation, it's more of a judgment call. So who had the correct judgment, mm-hmm. which is way more difficult. So just in saying that, have we talked about us redoing our defensive driving course? Not really. Yeah, well, we are. Yeah, And that was partially why Debbie went to try and, because we went through all of the content and how we want to change it. But one of the things that she did was attend that. Yeah, I like the plan that she's got of mm-hmm. going through a trip. Yep. Which it fits with all of our other courses and how yeah. we've done everything kind of since then. Uh, but that uh, is going to be interesting. I'm very curious. <laughs> and of course, now we've teased with it and that thing is not coming out probably before March. No, no. We get a lot of a lot of stuff on the go. Yeah, so. especially because that course, when that course gets overhauled, that's four languages. Mm-hmm. That's three different vehicle classes. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be like 30 or 40 titles. Years. It's going to be years. Spring. Yeah. Something like that. Well, she, well, the nice thing about what's happening is that that's all she's working on. She's not getting, you know, she doesn't have to do podcasts and she doesn't have to go to conferences conferences. and yeah. It is is nice for people to have that option to be dedicated like that. Yeah. I, I envy them. I would like to be dedicated to just building some product stuff. Yeah. That would, I am kind of there too. So I, uh, but you know, we just, we just had a busy couple of weeks. So we have had, and we're going to have another busy couple of weeks. November so after that, Christopher, um, Christopher, Christmas is going to be like sleep for five days. Yeah. But, and then, and then we will be all rested and recharged and we can do a little bit of focused product. So you're point. doing best of both worlds tomorrow. Yes. And, and then I'm heading off to the OTA convention, ooh. the excitement that is the Ontario Trucking Association annual convention on uh, Wednesday, except I'm only going there for the uh, reception, the opening night reception. Okay. Basically going down there for a party and then staying over and then and coming then back the next leaving, morning. leaving Courtney there. Yeah. So I'm not leaving her the whole time. I'm going to introduce her to a bunch of people who will mostly be drunk, so they probably won't remember her, but... <laughs> Well, that but, was what happened the last time when we true. took her to the Fleet Safety Council. But see, it'll be a lot of the same people. Yeah, so, uh, I would expect that by now. Yeah, uh, they'll be uh, they'll be getting it. But no, that's going to be good. And at least there's going to be name tags. Yes, because at the helpful. Fleet Council, Fleet Safety Council reception, there's no there's no name tags. Yeah, I think, but they have name tags. But then it's dark, and everybody's got mm. their name tags so far down, it's hard to see sometimes. But it's a good time. It's at the Ritz-Carlton, which is always fun. Yeah. And I've got a couple of other meetings that are happening around that time. So I'll make the most of that afternoon out of the office, afternoon and evening out of the office. And then off to Phoenix next week for my exciting panel. And on the product side, I don't know if I have anything new on the learning management side that's ready to announce. Um, new version of the mobile app coming in another week or so. Uh, which, uh, yeah, um, which is, is I'm looking forward to. It cleans up a bunch of things and uh, also uh, has better notification for new assignments. So um, when somebody gets assigned to a course, like a new thing, it's going to pop up a little bit better. And we're going to have the little red circle on the icon saying that you've got one or two or five new items or whatever. So those things tend to really get people's attention and prompt them to get in there and start doing stuff. And we're updating the different devices that we support as well. So we're going to be dropping the little tiny screens, which was really, 
I have to admit was a mistake on my part. I shouldn't have included that in the beginning because people using the app on the smaller screens, it's not a great experience. It's yeah. damn near impossible to tap the links and then trigger the button. So uh, that was a fail on my part. And we're going to be fixing that by uh, um, getting rid of those and just supporting the larger screen stuff because phones these days are getting to have such large screens on them. There's no reason to have tiny screen support anymore. So that I'm looking forward to. And I got a handful of other development things that are coming that I am very excited about, but they're not close enough to being ready that I want to talk about them yet. Okay. So I'm going to tease about them and just say there's some very cool stuff coming. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And what about you? Uh, really, it's uh, this is the, the magic of course development. You just kind of keep on, keep on. And at, uh, we got some new French and Spanish stuff coming soon. Well, we talked about it on the last podcast. Yeah. It's, we're just going to keep chugging along on it. So yep. French and Spanish distracted driving, um, some updates. Uh, I have some updates that I'm doing in French too. I can't remember now. Is that the I forklift think, stuff? Yeah. Forklift. Okay. And so that should be done in the next month Very or so. Good. So, yeah, but that's it for, I mean, there's not a lot of exciting news for me right now. All right. Well, I think that's a good time to wrap it up. And the next one, we will have more exciting yes, news. Yes, we will. And um, so that will be it for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye.